so jealous of people who enjoy coffee because I just don't enjoy drinking it. I love the smell of it. I know, because every single week I say, Lavetta, are yeah. you sure you don't want any coffee? No, I'm and... not a big coffee person. I don't like the aftertaste. Um, it's fair. And I, but I love the way it smells. It smells heavenly and like, you know, it's just... You... Sal is good at smelling good coffee because mm-hmm. on our honeymoon, I remember we were in Rome. And so I had like 95 cups of coffee a day because right. Italy has amazing coffee. And we were walking past and he went, and I was like, what? What puppy? What? He started sniffing. Well, what puppy? What? And he goes, uh, come turn around. Let's go. I, come here. Follow me. And I was like, what are we doing? And he was like, I think there's coffee in that room. Like he has a really good sense of smell. And he oh. found the best coffee place in all of Rome. He doesn't touch coffee. He doesn't touch oh, it. See, we have that in common because I have yep. a great sense of smell. You actually have a lot in common with it. But I don't like the taste of coffee. Yeah. I love the smell. It's just, oh, it's just a wonderful, wonderful aroma. Mm, I love everything about coffee. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Should we get started? Let's get started. Okay. okay, so I think since all right, listeners, we had to re-record. Yep. Um, so sad. I mentioned it in the uh, the revisit mm-hmm. episode, episode one, <laughs> for, uh, that we had to post this. Bring past me week. back. Um, yeah, so we have to re-record this episode. So we're going to pretend like we haven't heard these stories the before. The thing is, Lavetta, I don't remember anything. <laughs> so from day to day, it's all anew. Do you know I have two children? Yes. I just found this out this morning. <laughs> They're cute. Um, <laughs> So funny. I was talking to my grandmother recently um, and I said to her, I was like, Grandma, you know, you, you're older, but you're doing well for your age. And I was like, how's old age? She's like, it sucks. <laughs> I was like, but Grandma, like, she's like, no, I woke up last year and I realized I was old. <laughs> she was 84 last oh, year. Okay. And she's like, I was like, it took you to 84 to realize. She was like, yep, I just woke up and I was old. That's how I'm going to be. That's definitely, I'm going to be like, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> so you're like, oh yeah, my I'm mother. I'm going to be like... <laughs> <laughs> so right now I'm like, did you know I was able to have children? <laughs> Two of them. Apparently I did it at the same time. Well, Weird. hopefully I can keep you engaged. So I mean, good luck. Yeah. <laughs> well, okay. So I think, yes, I'm pretty sure because Surprise we've already me. done this. You know what? No, legit, Lavetta, legit right now. Uh-huh. I don't remember. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I'm, try- I'm racking my brain. <laughs> I literally have no idea. Okay. So this week, my okay. notorious woman okay. is Sandra Locke. Oh my God. Okay. Okay. Can I tell you something <laughs> yeah. that I did not tell you last week? Oh. Someone brought her name up this morning. I was teaching and I was working out before I was teaching and I was in the middle of a workout and I heard them na- and I went, I know that name. Swear to God, this is very true. Really? And I just now realized why I oh, know okay. that name. So I did forget her name. So your mommy brain. Let's try this again. So my mommy brain. (laughs) Do you remember Quantum Leap? Yes, Uh, of course. I have a Swiss cheese brain. Yeah. (laughs) I I am Scott Bakula. It's me, you guys. Scott Bakula. He's had like, he and David Boreanaz has had like 15 shows, right? Yeah. 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 Uh, 16. And they're both men I'm not mad at. No, no. How do I put this? Not sad to look at no no they to. both are aging very well mm-hmm. actually scott bacula looks i feel like he's the same age like he is the same age he's the same age. that man is 40 plus yes forever forever 40 forever. something forever. you know you know he's like 68 yeah. and has had all the work done no but, he looks great though he doesn't no. look like he's had anything done he just moisturizes very well i think 
I don't know that that works, Lovetta. Like, really? No, it does. Does it? When you don't, mm-hmm. you can tell when people have not moisturized. I'm just letting you know. Okay. okay. I don't really moisturize. <laughs> yeah. Um, and she's like, okay, Miriam, this is actually an intervention. You should <laughs> moisturize. You have to moisturize. I do in the morning and that's it. Like, yeah. I have, like, on my face. But at least that's something. Because some people, mm, and you I need mean, sunscreen. Well, that's that's the only, I don't even moisturize. But I have a moisturizer with SPF 30. Yes. And you must. that is what I do. Even black people wear your sunscreen. Actually, people. that's important. Because oh, yes. I've talked to people even now who are like, well... They're no. black, and I'm like, that's not that skin no, no, is skin no, is skin no. yeah. is skin, and the yeah. ozone layer has been destroyed. So, right, yeah. And it's, there was a time that maybe, yeah, maybe no, we but we still have, have to moisturize. Yeah. So, and uh, use uh, SPF. So, um, so Sandra Locke uh, was born Sandra Louise Smith uh, on May 28, 1944, in Shelbyville, Tennessee, to Raymond Smith, then serving in the military, and Pauline Bain, a pencil factory worker. But her parents separated before her birth. Do you think there are still pencil factories? There must be, right? They're probably overseas. Oh, they're in China. What am I saying? Yeah. Um, In her autobiography, uh, Sandra wrote that, quote, although mama would not admit it, I knew Mrs. Smith never married my mother, end quote. Yeah, so it was one of those things. She was probably, oopsie baby, you know. I like how she, I think it's interesting how she says Mr. Smith. Yeah. It's a very Southern thing, very proper. Yeah, we call everybody Mr. and Mrs. or Auntie and Uncle. Yeah. Okay. Um, she <laughs> Up in the North, we're just rude to everybody. Yeah, no, it's just a sign of respect. Yeah. So um, she had a maternal half-brother, Donald, who was born in 1946 from her mother's subsequent brief marriage to William B. Elkins. But when her mother married Alfred Locke in 1948, Sandra and Donald adopted his surname. So that's why she got. So her mom was just looking and looking and looking. Look, her mom was like, listen here, it's 1946. (laughs) The war just ended. I'm going to need some help Uh with these babies. I got children. They're small and they're crying a lot. Yeah. Somewhat, yeah. And back then, you know. Who's man enough to do this right? I mean, that's basically what, back then, especially having two small children, even if she were only married for like six months, like that's a more respectable way you could be married for four minutes yeah but if you say oh my husband he went away if yeah. you say my husband yeah it's or my your, ex-husband or my ex well yeah. even the ex-husband was was not yeah even then yeah but if you'd never been married that was like a riddle <laughs> like and also does, you just wouldn't does... you wouldn't admit to it uh yeah. you and also back then i would imagine her mother's got two little babies and she's like I can only get a job at a pencil factory. I got to figure something out. So, yeah. Pauline's like, I got to figure something Will out. Will you marry me, anybody? Yeah. I'll love you so. I know. And big Change up to the this men. diaper. <laughs> well, big up to the men who marry women with children and loving themselves. That's so. true. And in that day, that was definitely a That big, was unusual. I mean, yeah. it's hard now. Yeah. Yes. You know, that's so, a big deal now. So that's a much bigger deal. I now. can only imagine the stress that uh, Sandra's mother, Pauline, was going through. So uh, by all accounts, uh, Sandra was bright and popular student in both junior high, where she was a cheerleader and class uh, valedictorian, and in high school, where she was again valedictorian and also voted, get this, Duchess of Studiousness by her <laughs> classmates. Duchess. I forgot about that. <laughs> that's funny. Graduating in 1962. So basically, I'm she's Tracy I'm never going to get... Duchess of Studiousness. No. She's Tracy I'm going to get uh, whatever the opposite of Duchess of Studiousness is. That would have been me. I was a bit high Yeah, strong. I could see that. Yeah. Um, I could see that. That's why I love that, that movie, Election. Yeah. You were like, oh, 
And I was like, no, I totally get Tracy. What, but yeah. What's wrong? I don't understand. Why is everyone judging her? Yeah, I, don't I don't understand. She's great. She's great. I was uh, like, I was really good at the things I liked. And if I didn't like them, I, I would just, you know. I could get a C. But I like getting A's, so. Yeah, yeah. I could see that about you, Lavina. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, it's called Calm Down, Girl. Uh, after high school, she attended Middle Tennessee State University, where she majored in drama. But she left early to work in the promotions department for WSM TV in Nashville and began modeling for the Tennessean fashion page, as well as started pursuing an acting career. So, okay. um, she changed the spelling of her first name in her early twenties to avoid being called Sandy. Hey, Sandy. Do you notice how Lavetta has been calling her Sandy up until now? Sandy. I see, I see what you did there. Sandy. Lovetta. Now she's Sandra. I know. She's Sandra. Sandy. Sandy. I think maybe if you could open your mouth a little, it wouldn't have been so annoying. Sandy. No. In the South, it'd be like, Sandy? 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 Sandra. She's like, so oh, I Sandra. see that. Sandra. I yeah. see why she did that. Because it'd make them stop and go... Oh, Sandra? Okay. Oh, you're fancy. I'm you're sorry. fancy. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, around this time, she starred in some half dozen theater productions for the Circle Players, Inc., and where she met fellow actor Gordon Anderson, whom she began dating. So in 1967, she won a nationwide talent search for the part of Mick Kelly in a big screen adaptation of Carson M- McCullough's novel, The Heart is a Lonely Hunter. I love that novel. Yeah. so much i have not read that novel it i've never seen the movie oh obviously i have to go see the movie absolutely but i i read it i think in high school and it it was I, for whatever it was a life-changing book oh i love that book if you're a teenager in high school and you like to feel things <laughs> read that book you mean you are every teenager in high school uh-huh um <laughs> so she starts so she won this like huge talent Search. They don't really do that anymore. They used no, to be a big thing they yeah. did. Probably up until probably the 80s. Where did they we, really do it in the 70s still? I think so. I feel like they did. I feel like uh, it probably turned more um, sexual. Like I feel like yeah. the, the Playmate thing was a big thing in the 70s okay. and the 80s. Uh, oh, but, but then reality TV then reality exploded. TV, yeah. And we still kind of do it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's right? basically what reality but, TV took yeah. over for the talent search. Well, but, we, you know, if you think about it, it's not really that different. No. We can just see the talents. We can all watch the talent search. But the difference is, I mean, this the fact that she won a talent search for like a legitimate movie opposite Alan Arkin. Damn. So that's a big deal. Yeah. Like, that's, yeah. And that's, obviously she had acting experience because she had been doing plays. Yeah, 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 and yeah. so uh, that same year on September 25th, she and Gordon married. So 1967. Released in the summer of 1968, the film The Heart is a Lonely Hunter garnered Sandra an Academy Award nomination, as well as a pair of Golden Globe nominations for Best Supporting Actress and Most Promising Newcomer. That's amazing. I mean, that's, that's amazing. That's amazing. She won a talent contest yeah. to star in it, and then now she's... Got nominated for an Oscar. Yeah. Yeah. I feel um, like, okay, you're good. You're yeah. in. You're in. <laughs> you're in. Uh, her next role was as uh, Melissa in Cover Me, Babe, in 19 that came out in 1970 originally titled run shadow run opposite robert forster it was announced that she would play the lead in lovemakers a film adaptation of robert nathan's 1960 novel the color of evening but no movie resulted now in 1971 Mm. she co-starred with bruce davison and ernest borgnine in the psychological thriller willard 
which became a box office hit. That's right. Huge. Because they did it again yeah. with What's-His-Face. Uh, with the guy played... Uh, okay, Lavetta, we've recorded this before. Yes, the father... And we could not remember him last we week. We still couldn't remember his we name. We still can't remember his name this week. He played the father in um, Back to the Future. Back to the Future. Yes. Michael and J. Fox's dad. He also played the creepy you guy. You take your damn hand off of her... What was the line? Uh... I can't remember his line. I remember his Biff. McFly! McFly! He's, I love Biff. I love He's Biff. He's such a such dick. Such an asshole. God, I love him. I mean, that's very, McFly. like... McFly! I think it's the, that's like the base side of our humanity, Lavetta, that we love Biff. Because <laughs> this is not really okay. Well, the actor played him so funny. He's so, so funny. good. Yeah. I love yeah. him. I saw him on another show. And that's an art form to be able to play yeah. an asshole that we that, like. like that, that, that yeah. 40 years later, 30 yeah. years later, we're yep. like, oh my God, I love that asshole. I remember even at the Back to the Future, I used to work at Universal Studios when I was growing up. Um, and the Back to the Future... Uh, yeah, ride has yeah. Yeah, McFly he just shows up and you're like so Biff is so great but no wait the I guy... did not know you worked at Universal Studios oh yeah I, I'm from Orlando Florida so I mean, you gotta work at one I of the theme parks I didn't yeah. know that you oh yes oh I worked in the games department you were paid by the Kool-Aid yes I, I, I was and okay. I loved it yeah. yeah yeah we used to hear that you know it's so funny when you work there you you hear the the song on a loop yes and so uh they play hot damn summer in the city you have no point to that no. story. <laughs> and also, okay, just clarify. There was a Alfred Hitchcock ride, and they would play the oh. the, the music to the Alfred Hitchcock oh. Hour. Yeah, yeah, and so I it was really yeah. So so it's interesting things that stick in your head. So anyway, um, <laughs> so Willard, uh, which was starred a remake in i want to say the early 2000s in the early 2000s i was yeah. funny because i remember being super excited about it and then i never saw it yeah and he was also the creepy guy assassin in uh the remake of charlie's angels movies if there's a creepy guy it's he's him. gonna play yeah. it wonderful actor. he also has a name we just we don't just know what it is yeah <laughs> so this is back to sandra so willard became a huge box office hit she was also featured in William A. Fraker's A Reflection of Fear in 1972 and held the title role in The Second Coming of Suzanne in 1974 with Paul Sand and Jared Martin. Okay, so she's now, had quite the career. She's quite the career. and She's still quite young. Throughout the first half of the 1970s, Sandra guested on television drama series including the FBI, Canon, Barnaby Jones, and Kung Fu. Uh-huh. I vaguely remember the Kung yeah. Fu show. In 1972, Night Gallery episode, quote, A Feast of Blood, she played the victim of a curse planted by Norman Lloyd, the recipient of a brooch that devoured her. That sounds terrible. That sounds very, like, 1970s. I would definitely yeah. not enjoy doing that. Uh... If Lloyd acted trying to do that again and wanting me to be in it. Yeah. No. No. <laughs> Lloyd acted with her again in Gondola, 1973, a three character teleplay with Bo Hopkins, and remarked that Locke gave, quote, a beautiful performance, perhaps her best ever. Now, her career reached a turning point in 1975 when she took a supporting role in The Outlaw of Josie Wells oh. as the love interest oh. of Clint Eastwood's character. One of my favorite westerns, The Outlaw of Josie Wells. The Outlaw of Josie. Okay. It has one I mean, of the. It has a, a wonderful cast of uh, character actors who many are toothless, um, <laughs> and which I personally you, enjoy. I'm just. 
Okay, so did these toothless actors, were they so committed to the role? These guys. They took their teeth out. No, I think they just didn't have any teeth. Oh, I, they I just, were... I, but it was very authentic. Okay. Authentic. So maybe they just like walked into a bar and said, uh, Ed? No, they were great actors. Toothless, come with me. I just don't know, like movies from the 70s, like they were so like realistic and gritty and you're just like, like where did they find people who could act who were also toothless? I I, I mean, I was very, very mesmerized. That is uh, impressive. Maybe they had two teeth, teethesses okay, in the mouth. Well, maybe, so, so maybe they... Maybe one on the bottom, one on the top, right in the front. Maybe they, I, you know, maybe they went to Juilliard I, and they said, you know what? I will be a niche actor. Listen. I'm going to knock my two front teeth out. <laughs> Cause I commit, I'm committed, <laughs> and then I'm gonna act like a bumpkin. But really, I'm Shakespeare trained. These guys probably are, cause I'm, and I'm not even kidding. There's a scene where they're like, they capture him, right? Okay. So basically, the premise of the movie is that he is like a, a tenant farmer, and these bad guys come into town. This is basically all the premises for. <laughs> Isn't uh, that yeah. every movie? He's minding his own business, right? And I'm just these a bad guy trying to do my job. Yeah. They yeah. come in, they uh, rape his wife, kill his people, his kids, and burns his, and burns his uh, uh, farm down, right? That's they're bad, bad guys, really right? Bad. You have to establish that they're bad terrible. guys. Terrible. I mean, really. And so he goes on a hunting. Bad. He goes okay. on a revenge spree. Yeah, fair enough. And so he he kills a couple of them. He's hunting yeah, them down. No. Get him. So, of course, he's an outlaw now. Right. So these guys he... come upon him, ah. and they're like, we don't catch. We don't call us the the Joseph Wales. I kid you not. Really, are, I love my southern people. Yeah, I can't do that because uh, then I'm offensive. But we don't these call are us your the Joseph Wales. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> with their toothless grins. Uh, I could listen to you do that all. And then day. he kills them, of course. And then and then of course, like there's a um, where the guy comes into a bar and he's like, I'm looking for Josie Wales, and he's like, That'd be me. Yeah, I love it. And then they get a, a shootout. I love boom, it. Boom, 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 boom. boom, boom. Anyway, so that uh, so she played his love interest in that movie. Uh, this was followed by a lead role alongside Eastwood again in the action film The Gauntlet. Okay. Now by this time, it was pretty common knowledge that she, that Sandra and Eastwood were in a relationship, despite her still being legally married to Gordon, her husband. Oopsie doodles. But in court papers, she stated that the marriage was never consummated and described her relationship with Gordon, reputedly a gay man, as tantamount uh, to sister and brother. There yeah. was a beard. Yeah. So from 1975 until because 1989. Because America's a dick. Well, yeah. I mean, and. But in, in America's defense, the world was a dick. The world so, was very different back then. And, you know, sometimes these marriages are uh, safe havens for both the man and the woman who agrees to go yeah, into it. Yeah, yeah. I was just listening to uh, America. <gasps> what is the name of the podcast? Ira Glass. Oh, This American Life? That's the name of the <laughs> podcast that everybody but me knows um, about how they took out of psychiatric, oh. right, the, the book, the, uh, the lore, what, what, what am I saying? The um, diagnosis? Yeah, like yeah. as a diagnosis, it was considered uh, a prognosis. Yeah. In 1973. Yeah. And... There are so many factors that went into taking that out 
of something where you could and there's at the very end there's this old guy's like i was right yeah gays are wrong and i was like you're a dick i was getting really mad in my car um but it's but i mean that's that was and and even the psychiatrists who were closeted gay because you could easily be fired if you were a psychiatrist who was gay um would they would get together and they'd hang out with each other but they would still not even argue that it was a prognosis that it was that it was considered something that should be a a mental illness a mental illness or disorder they were just like well we have it what are you gonna do yeah you know well you know bullshit right there so I would imagine how do you feel I'm very shy about my feelings Okay. So I'm just going to, I'm just, you just talk and I'm just going to listen. Okay. Okay. So she, so, okay. So she's in a relationship with Eastwood. So from 1975 until about 1989, Sandra and Eastwood would, over the course of their relationship, uh, work almost exclusively together. At least she would work exclusively with, with him. him. Despite her earlier success. Really? Um, and yeah. all all the films she ever did were with him, except for one exception in 1977 in the Western, The Shadow of Chikara. I think that's, yeah, Chikara. In 1978, Sandra appeared with Eastwood once again and with an orangutan named Manus ah! in that year's second highest grossing film, Every Which Way But Loose. I was just talking last week. <laughs> And I'm saying it again because it's still weird <laughs> it is. that this movie keeps coming up in my life. Yeah. And now it's coming up again. Yep. Because we have to re-record. <laughs> well, the movie is... But it's just it's such a bizarre movie. It's a bizarre... Who would... How is it? How am I talking about it so many times? Well, who would think that that would work? Right? right? Who, like... What? Okay, so okay, so they're in the room, the they're pitching fancy pitching room with fancy producers that they all have all the money, yeah. and they're they're overlooking Burbank, and they're saying, "I got it." Yeah, yeah. Now, see, I got see, an idea. I, see? I took my children to the zoo because my wife made me, and there was an orangutan, and I thought, "How interesting is that orangutan? <laughs> I'm gonna take that orangutan and put him in a movie." With Clint Eastwood. Clint Eastwood and the orangutan are going to star side by side. And Sandra Locke. Like, I mean, of yeah. course, because she's a beauty. She's a beauty. The beauty and the beast. You know, the always works. The beauty and the orangutan. So now I in this know. movie, yeah, that... she portrayed country singer Lynn Helsey Taylor in this adventure comedy. So it was an, that's how they sold it. I mean. It. Adventure comedy. They got orangutan, see? I mean, that just sounds so stressful. <laughs> It actually Can sounds kind of hilarious. Don't they grab themselves all the time? I don't know. I think orangutans are a little bit more chaste than monkeys. Okay, because my, my children learned a little too much about life at the zoo and the monkeys. Oh, my God. The monkeys was, are the worst. Oh, my. They just. They masturbate. I mean, they were having threesomes oh in God. front of my children. And then they try and look deep into your eyes while yeah. they're doing it. You're like, like, here. You're nope. Like, nope, monkey. Don't want to do it, Mommy, monkey. Mommy, what are they? Nothing. Look, it's a bird and the bird thing. Let's go look at the bird things. Don't you want to see the giraffe? No, it's so high. <laughs> Mommy, why are they dancing? They're, they like to grow. Let's move it, move it. So I think orangutans are a little bit more uh, subdued than monkeys. Chill. But this movie yeah. was a huge hit. Now, in its 1980 sequel, Any Which Way You Can, it was nearly as successful. So they did that as well. Okay. But for that film, she rec- for both films, she recorded several songs uh, for the soundtrack and performed them live in concert with Eddie Rabbit and Tom Jones. Oh! 
So success. Um, Now, she went on uh, later. She starred as a bitter heiress who joins a traveling Wild West show in Bronco Billy, also in 1980. Her only film. I would enjoy that, like as a human, not as an actress, but like, yeah. Yeah, right? I want to have all the money and then join this traveling show. Of course. Let's go, you guys. And that was the only film that they did together that was not a... um, uh, commercial success. Oh. Now she cites Bronco Billy and the outlaw of Josie Wells as her favorites of the movies they made together. Okay. Now the couple's final collaboration as performers was sudden impact. The 1983 highest grossing film in the dirty Harry's franchise um. where Sandra played a vengeful artist who systematically murders the men who had gang raped her and her sister a decade earlier. I mean, listen, yeah. Yeah, no, he needed to die. Sometimes you just got to kill him. Yeah. I, I mean, yeah. why is this still breathing? I That makes no sense to me. We need to make to that me. movie today. I think so. Yeah. 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 But with a female lead. So. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Obviously. Dirty How Harry? about like, there's no men at all in the film? Well, you, you know got to have mean? somebody to kill. Well, it's like a dead body. <laughs> like, you, yeah, you just, you just show her. And like she's she's kind of monologuing that he's just yeah. like tied up. Oh, I got it. He's tied up in a chair, but his mouth is covered with tape. So he's there. Okay, so there's one actor, but he's no lines. Okay, and okay. she's just like walking around describing the shit he did. You know, you yeah. can also follow her on the journey to try to find him. Yeah. And she's like talking to her friends or her, you know, world, but they're all women. Okay, <laughs> and no men live here. No men live here. Okay, look, I have two boys and a husband who's the best human alive, so I don't hate all the men. No. But in this case. In this movie. In this movie. Yes. So let's do it. Also, I mean, I love the men in my life. I have a lot of men in my life that I love and respect. But for this movie, let's make all the whole team women. I think especially if you're going to gang rape, you should die a horrible death, be dismembered. Yeah, like I think that they're, I think it's just too much for a man to watch our ideas, <laughs> you know, come to life. It's like, it's not even fair because it's not, it's not going to be pretty. You know what I mean? <laughs> if you cut off like just the tip first Ooh. and then you keep going up oh. slowly. Oh, I mean, I've been rubbing off on you a little bit. I, love it. It. A little <laughs> bit. <laughs> I was so nice a year and a half I know, ago. Right? I was the sweetest person. <laughs> not anymore. No, it's gone now. So I now, mean, if you're going to be that much of an asshole, I mean, well, I mean, yeah, yeah. We yeah, and that's why you have to justify. So they have to do something horrible, and really then we horrible. have to. She has to do something horrible in response. So it's, I was talking to a friend. He's a writer, and he he was working on this thing, and he was saying that like he likes writing about Nazis because you can do whatever you want to a Nazi because <laughs> <laughs> there's no. I mean, like an active Nazi. Yeah. Go, okay. Bye. You know, yeah. like you're a Nazi. Get out. That's why everybody wants Nazis in their movies. Cause yeah. It's like, what is Indiana Jones says? I hate these guys. They're the worst. Yeah. <laughs> Because they are. In 1986, Sandra made her feature directorial debut with Rat Boy, a fable about a boy who is half rat. (laughs) I just like to say rat, like rat, pizza rat. That's a a fable? Yes, Rat Boy. Like a fable? This is what it says. I like princesses a fable. Listen, I'm sure there's been a Rat Boy fable that like Aesop's where they couldn't get the, the water out of the bucket so that they put rocks in the water and the yeah. water rose and then uh, you could drink the water that's like a fable right i think so a half rat boy is half rat boy i mean, I mean listen uh rat that sounds like just, something i would not want to see no but i think in 1986 they probably didn't want to see they it do it 
we have to look it up. Yeah, I'm Rat curious. Um, it had now Rat Boy only had a limited release in the United States, where it was a critical and financial flop, but was well received in Europe. With French newspaper The Parisian calling it the highlight of the Duville Film Festival. Maybe if I was French, I would understand this. I better. mean, the French did have Ratatouille. Wasn't Ratatouille I mean, a French rat? I mean, uh, yes, but didn't Disney make Ratatouille? I know, but I'm just saying. Isn't Ratatouille just like a French word Listen, for a French meal? I have a problem with Ratatouille. Tell me what your problem with Ratatouille. It's is. a rat. Okay. It should not be a chef. Okay. I know dreams come true, Disney, but, but it's a rat. It should I mean, not be in the kitchen. I mean, it's a rat. But it's a Disney rat. It's a rat. Okay. I, I, okay. It's listen, t- not a mouse. Okay. Not Fievel Mousekowitz. You, you're right. You, you know what? It's a rat. Much respect yeah. to Fievel Mousekowitz. Yeah. <laughs> Fievel Mousekowitz was adorable because he was a mouse. Oh, I loved Fievel. I know. Me too. I'm but, look, I used to I used to have a five I used to be like I'm looking for my family. Oh, I must, oh man, if we had iPhones, I was I so know. cute. I was eight, and I'd be like, I'm looking for my family. Five but it was school. probably better because I had a child's voice when I was eight. Yeah, it's so cute. But no, not a rat. Um, but Rat Boy did well in France. So now, so she's shifting. So Sandra's shifting from acting to directing, going behind the camera. Gotcha. Focus on her career. Uh, and in the late 1970s, she decided not to have children. She said. Quote, I'd feel sorry for any child that had me for a mother, she told a a syndicated columnist Dick Kleiner in 1969. But many think that she was she really decided not to have children due to Eastwood's adamancy that parenthood would not fit into their lifestyle, even though he secretly fathered another woman's two children during the last three years of their relationship. Now, listen, the fuck. Uh, Okay, I guess I knew this because we did last week, but I'm still mad. Um, so, and he still had his balls. I just don't how, how? understand. I don't, I don't get that. Yeah. Um, but this I, is her story. I, so, I mean, you're right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's okay. Yeah, yeah. It's okay. So concentrating almost exclusively on directing from that point onward, Sandra's second foray behind the camera was Impulse, starring Teresa Russell as a police officer on the Vice Squad who goes undercover as a prostitute. Because there's nothing better than a smart prostitute. Because she's smart, but look, she's barely wearing any clothes. Because we get to see the the tatas. Oh, yeah. Um, Boobies, boobies, boobies. I know. Or the breastesses. I mean, you know Um, what, though? At least she's smart. At least she's smart. Hey. Rawgrass. And I would imagine. And a woman is directing that. That's what I was just about to say. I'll give it. I, I, I will take it. Yeah. Now, shooting began in 1989. That year, she filed a palimony suit against Eastwood after he changed the locks on their Bel Air home and moved her possessions into storage while she was on the set of Impulse. That motherfucking coward. Even more what of a big a, move. What a, what a, you know what? As the kids say, what a pussy. That's a bitch ass move. Because, right? Yeah. I mean, right? Bitch you can't be move. like, you know what? I don't think this is working. I would like yeah. you to move. I will help. Yeah. Because I've already controlled your life for so long <laughs> yeah. that it is literally the least I can do. Yeah. But I'm going to say goodbye. Yeah. Oh, no. You're just going to get a locksmith to come and fix your problems. Give me a heads up, dude. What yeah, a I mean, tiny he, little vagina that man has. That I, yeah. Tiny vagina. She's a better woman than me. That's all I got to say. So now following a year long legal battle, the parties reached a a settlement wherein Eastwood set up a film development slash directing pad for Sandra at Warner Brothers in exchange for her dropping the suit. 
Because they've been together a long ass time. I mean, they're, I mean, technically married. Even oh, yeah, if they didn't get right. married, they're technically. Common law. That's common law. law. Yeah, yeah, that's true. I just right. realized that if Sal and I never got married, we'd still be married. Yeah, you know, you still. Yeah. I mean, you put in your time, you might as well get mm-hmm. that ring, girl. That's, no, for real. Um, Make it pretty. You know? Yeah. Mine is. Around this time in 1990, she was diagnosed with breast cancer and underwent a double mastectomy and chemotherapy. Shit. On top of all of this. Damn. That was a rough year. During treatment, she began dating one of her surgeons, Dr. Scott Kuneen. Yeah. Who was... Get that hot doctor. I know. Yes, girl. Who was, get this, 17 years younger than her. Get that young, spry, hot doctor. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yes, girl. (laughs) (laughs) Now, he moved in with her in 1991. I'm glad she at least had somebody there to help her through. that's awesome. I mean, he's such a fucking prick, but like, you know. I'm getting to her relationship with Eastwood a little bit more, so. Um, now, in 1995, she sued Eastwood again for fraud, alleging that the deal that he set up for her to drop the right, calimony but... suit was a sham That because the studio had rejected all of the 30 or more projects she proposed and never used her as a director. What a dick. According to her attorney, Peggy Garrity, uh, Eastwood committed, quote, the ultimate betrayal by arranging this bogus deal as a way to keep her out of work. What a fucking asshole. Son of a bitch. Yeah. Now, like, I called him a coward, but I not that I don't think he's a coward, because I definitely think he is a coward, because yeah. I think he was uh, scared of her and her skills. Mm-hmm. I think he was intimidated by the idea that this woman, that his woman might be maybe more talented than he is. But I feel like Coward doesn't describe the level of anger I have at him for this bullshit. Like, and also, you a, know how they a love tiny, to say, tiny dick. Well, um, I don't, I don't think so. No, by all no. Accounts, oh, I, don't I mean, so. okay, uh, right, he can do one thing well. Fine. Yeah. Um, but I have to think also. This is what male bitterness looks like. Yeah. So you know, they love to put that that. Um, that moniker on women, like after they left, oh, she's just bitter that they broke up. No, if he really was over yeah. her and he right. wouldn't be trying to hinder her He'd progress. He'd be like, look, here, go make movies. Okay, bye. Yeah. I found someone else. I'm going to go now. This is what male Thanks bitterness for the memories. looks like, especially when the man has pull. Because Clayton was a huge movie star. Yeah. Like, and still but is. Also, like, like, he, he did not need to do that. No. She could, there was more than enough space for her to do her thing and him to do his thing. This is what gets me. This is why I believe yeah. as a woman, mm-hmm. a straight woman, yeah. your man should be afraid of you. I, oh, I definitely, just think definitely. they need to be just a little tiny bit afraid just of you. Just a little. I need, yeah. I need my man to be like, I don't look at other women because my woman is crazy mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and I will wake up with no penis. Right. Uh, yeah, yeah. So... <laughs> so I'm going to zip it up until yeah. I see my woman yeah. and my woman can do things. Yeah. And, and I like, can do things. Yeah. Yeah. So. <laughs> yep. But yeah. So she. Yeah. So she sued him. And they ultimately settled the case out of court for an undisclosed amount of money. Better been a lot. Yeah. Now the outcome of the case, she said, sent, quote, a loud and clear message to Hollywood that people cannot get away with whatever they want to just because they're powerful, end quote. So interesting I mean... because this is way before Me Too. I'm yeah. This is 1995. And the studio supported it also. Yep. Like the, there was. Well, they're gonna back their guy. Yeah, they're gonna do what know? they need to do to keep making you yeah. know 
those movies and that money. And if, it would keep him happy. Yeah. Right? So, yeah. yeah. In 1995, she directed the made-for-TV film Death in Small Doses based on a true story in the independent film Do Me a Favor starring Rosanna Arquette. So two different movies. Nice. Okay, that same good. year, she published her own autobiography called, <laughs> quote, the good, the bad, and the very ugly, semicolon, <laughs> a Hollywood journey. Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> and she brought a separate action against Warner Brothers for allegedly conspiring with Eastwood to sabotage her directing career. Yeah. As has happened with the previous lawsuit, this ended in an out-of-court settlement in 1999. The agreement with Warner Brothers, Locke said, was, quote, a happy ending after five years of torture. Okay. I feel elated. This has been the best day in a long, long time, she said outside the courtroom. The case is used in some modern law school con uh, contract textbooks today to illustrate the legal concept of good faith. Okay. So basically they yeah. entered into this agreement not in good faith. And therefore they then owed yeah. shit tons of money because exactly. of uh, because they didn't, failure yeah. at, at... It was designed to keep her from working. Yeah. yeah. So she couldn't go to another place and set up her projects there. Right. She so. couldn't have been like, okay, I'm going to go somewhere else. Yeah. In her book, she detailed information about her relationship with Eastwood, which was undoubtedly abusive, including him having her have not just two abortions. So he made her have two abortions, but sterilization surgery. What? She said at the time that she suffered, quote, humiliation, mental anguish, severe emotional and physical distress, and mental and physical harm during their relationship. See, I told you I'm really tired. I know we did this last week, but I blocked that out yeah. because that's awful. That's awful, too. And then you go and get another woman pregnant two times? Two times. Two times. Not two one, times. but two. You two had times. two children. You yeah. had one job, what dude. Did, what did you want? Keep your dick in your pants. Right? Zip it up. It goes up. It goes, I'll give you an arrow to you can, it's a visual. Um, what did he want of her? Did well, he according to uh, Sandra, yeah. she said the reason that she and Eastwood were at odds towards the end of their relationship, and you touched on this, was because she wanted to branch out into the industry and build a career beyond his films, yeah. including by directing her own movies. Mm. Because over the course of their uh, relationship, she only basically acted with him in his movies. That's so fucked. So once again, a woman is her, her labor, her mm -hmm. focus, her strength is all tunneled into making to building the, up the man. man. Yeah. yeah. And that's fine if that's what she is okay with doing. If she every, wants to. Yeah. Every I woman have, should have a choice. I have done creative things with my husband. Yes. We created things together. Yes. We work together. I love it. Yes. It makes me happy. Yes. But also, like, I get a show somewhere else and he's like, yeah, good. I love you. Right. I'm so proud of you. Rock it out. Right. Um, and he helps me make me the best, right. the, do the best I can. It's supposed to go back and it's forth. It's supposed to go She's back definitely and supposed forth. to stand by her man and support him. But if your man's a dick, he can suck it. Yeah, okay? no, for he real. I mean, it. honestly, if she's a dick, she can suck it too. She can suck it too. But this is not the case no. in this situation. But two abortions, two sterilization. He, I'm sorry, but that, that shit, that shit just gets to me. Because what could that, you get? Snip, snip. Snip, snip. You, that is an out of patient... That's crazy. Five-day recovery situation. And she had to get sterilized? Fuck him. The two Fuck abortions is bad hard. enough, but then the sterilization while you were impregnating another woman. I, yeah, she a better woman than me. Now, in 1999... I mean, do you think she didn't have... Do you think she convinced herself? Do you think there was yes. a little Stockholm Syndrome? Yes. 
because I mean, she technically she lives in America. She she could have yes chosen to leave him and keep the baby. But what happens is that you think you you're in a different relationship than he's in. <laughs> like so, yeah, you're like yeah. we're in this together. If this is gonna make him happy, I want to make him happy. I don't really want children. So let me do this, right? right? But then when you find out, oh no, he's doing this to manipulate me, to control me, while and he's also impregnating that. another woman, yeah. then you realize you've been duped inside the relationship. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And so that's a whole and other that, thing. that's the problem. Because like, there's definitely an argument being like, she could have ignored him. Yeah. She didn't have to do it. But there's this, there's a sort of a little Stockholm syndrome of like, we're in this together, we're in this together. I'm convincing myself of things yeah. I'm not necessarily comfortable with right but it is true i love my life i don't want my life to turn upside down and we are so good together but you're not so good together because he's out there fucking this other woman and giving her children giving her children that was a lie while telling you that he that children would mess up your lifestyle right and also again why can't why can't you just take birth control also I, i don't understand that part like why do you need to get it permanently yeah, Done. I don't understand. That That's weird. I don't know if it's just something that we're missing. I mean, the, the there period. could be a missing link or there could be an element where birth control doesn't work for her or, or you know be, what I mean? I don't like, know. I don't know. But like. Yeah. If, when I found out about the other two children, oh, he, it would have been on. Uh, they would have been like, mm-hmm. uh, this morning, actor Clint Eastwood was found <laughs> dead with his dick cut off and shoved down his throat. <laughs> We're thinking it might be a revenge killing. We're not sure. <laughs> uh, I would have gone Lorena Bobbitt on his ass. Yeah, um, I have no doubt. Yeah. In 1999, <laughs> after 13 years away from acting, she returned to acting in, in films The Prophet's Game with Dennis Hopper and Clean and Narrow with Wings Hauser. Now, in 2014, uh, the media announced that she would serve as executive producer on Eli Roth's film Knock Knock starring Keanu Reeves. Oh. So she's producing. That's great. In 2001, Sandra purchased a six bedroom home in the Hollywood Hills where she resided, uh, where she then resided. So that must have been nice uh, with her her young man. Yes. Uh, In 2017, she starred in When Ray Meets Helen directed by Alan Rudolph. Now on November 3rd, 2018, about a little bit over six weeks ago at the age of 74, Sandra Locke died from cardiac arrest related to breast and bone cancers. So sad. Though it was not publicized until December 14, 2018. Her body uh, was buried at Pierce Brothers Westwood Village Memorial Park and Mortuary. She is survived by her husband. Okay. So now, so just to reiterate, she starred in over 30 films and she also directed four films, Rat Boy, Impulse, Death in Small Doses, and Do Me a Favor. Now, what makes her notorious in my mind yeah. is that she refused to be erased or overshadowed by the, the man in, in her life. Even when she died last week or a couple weeks ago, some of the headlines were, quote, actress Sandra Locke embittered ex of Clint Eastwood dies at 74. God damn quote. it. They were together for how long? They were together for 13 years, I think. Yeah, 13 years. Okay. She was 74. 74. That's 13 years. Yeah. So she is... She lived 60 years. Dear media, yeah. she's a lot more than her one ex-husband. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you very much. And also embittered ex, because you could also describe him as embittered ex I mean, of Sandra Locke. I'm wondering who's embittered. I yeah. think it's that dick right yeah. there. Now, in a Jezebel, in a Jezebel, and thank God that women have more voices in media today. Yeah, they do. Because in a Jezebel article, uh, which it took issue with the, the framing of her passing Good. in this way. Yeah, call it out. Um, 
Writer Hazel Sills writes, quote, Sandra Locke's death should be a chance to look back on her life and recognize in 2018 all that the press miss and what we still miss when we cover the lives of women overshadowed by powerful men. Yes, thank you. The press you. in the 1980s and 90s chose to frame her relationship with Eastwood not as an abuse of power, but gossipy tabloid fare with her at fault for the destruction of her career. And considering the Hollywood Reporter's account of her life, it's clear that we haven't moved beyond that framing, end quote. Nope. Yeah, because like I said, her... Yeah, we mean like... Yes, she was connected to a very famous and powerful man who, by his own actions, says that he needed her to be in his films to make them as successful as they were, yeah, right? Yeah, like he, want, he did everything he could yeah. to keep her working for him. Yes. So, so obviously he saw the value The value in her. of her, right. But he needed to control that, which a lot of men have uh, need to do. But she, yeah, they did but six films together. That's not cool, though. No, it's not cool. He, they did six films together. She has over thirty acting credits, right? Yeah. They had thirty, like you I said, mean, she thirteen was years. The Academy Award before, before she, she met, met him. him. That's right. So she's more than that. But not surprisingly, women in media and women in uh, the entertainment uh, industry had a different take on her passing. Many of them remembered uh, Sandra's life and career. Rosanna Arquette, who starred with her in Trading, in, who starred in her directed film Trading yes. Favors, remembered Locke as, quote, thoughtful and kind in a message she posted to Twitter. Quote, Locke had laser vision. She was great with actors, she wrote. Actress Evan Rachel Wood added, Aww. hashtag Sandra Locke directed, uh, quote, said, hashtag Sandra Locke directed me in my, my first film when I was four years old. She was fantastic. R.I.P. End quote. That's amazing. So that's Sandra Locke. I mean, unfortunately, it it does take other women to recognize, hey, no, 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 no. She was great before she met him. That's not to discount the work they did together because those are some of uh, her favorite films. I mean, there's nothing wrong with her also owning and loving the work that she did with him. Right. It's just the, it's the That's way not the, only thing the media she did. is looking embittered ex wife. Yeah. First of all, actress mm-hmm. and director, mm-hmm. actress and director and yeah. producer, yeah. Um, passed away sadly, and Hollywood will miss her. Yeah. Uh, you know, this, and then go into her. Yeah. This, yeah. She, she also, fun fact, and I know they need clickbait. And yeah. I yeah, don't care. Yeah, I yeah. think that clickbait is hurting America and the world, and we need to stop putting especially women in these boxes and especially for me her 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 story really illustrates how like i said they love to be like oh she's a bitter woman have you ever stopped to think why women might be bitter yeah you think maybe she has a reason to be pissed maybe because he impregnated another woman while he was in a relationship with me (laughs) and told me to have get sterilization surgery and lock me out of my house uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, no. Yeah, the sterilization surgery. I mean, yeah. My God. Yeah, the two abortions would be bad enough, but the sterilization surgery—that's yeah, a that's... whole nother thing. So, uh-huh. yeah, but <laughs> but that's Sandra Lott. But that's what she we do this podcast great. for, and that's why we do this podcast. That's right. Which so. is, it's very freeing for me when I hear about women. I I keep doing this where I hear about women that should have been and i'm like oh i'll take them yeah we got this yeah we got this so so yeah. who's your notorious woman this my week notorious woman thank you for bringing sandra Locke yes into my... may she rest in peace yes okay lavetta yes we're going to china oh uh-huh i love to go to china you do that's right and i do too i'm just not very good 
at speaking the language. <laughs> Neither so am I. We're going to have a little bit of fun with this one. So her name is Kui Jin. Kui Jin. Okay. I think. Kui. Q-U-Q-I-U-J-I-N. Okay. She was born November 8th, 1875. Ooh, 1875. Um, in Shanyin Village, Shaoxing, Shijian, Qing Dynasty. I'm a pretend that I said that right. Sound good to me. Um, my American ears. <laughs> and then, which is part of Xiamen Fujian. I don't know. Okay. All of those words define where she's from. Okay. It's basically China. Yes. King Dynasty. 1875. 1875. Gotcha. Got it. Okay. So um, my research only noted one parent was Kui Jinhao. Okay. Sounds good, right? She had, I'm going to... I'm going to, the, there's not a super ton of information, so I don't know anything about her childhood. Okay. Um, I will, so I'm starting, I'm starting later. Her husband was Wang Tingjun. Okay. She had two kids, Wang Yuande and Wang Guifen. Just Wikipedia, you guys. I, <laughs> I, I am obviously saying these wrong. I'm having flashbacks of The Good Earth, that book. I never read it. Oh, so good. Yeah. It's yeah. Wang Hong. I just remember having flashbacks <laughs> of like the husband. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. yeah so we ever read books where you're, you're reading it and you have to say it in your head. Yeah. yeah, but, yeah, you're, yeah. but you're saying it in your head super wrong. Yeah. Yeah. I've yeah. done. And then you're like, I, I have to read the book again. Yeah. Because I said it wrong the first time. <laughs> uh, so she was very unhappily married. And uh, they moved to Beijing in 1903. And there is where she discovered... New ideas. That's how they put it. New new ways of thinking. Oh, okay. She, she witnessed the disastrous political and social backlashes from the Boxer Rebellion of 1900 to 1905. And so these new ideas were of, a, of like a modern Republican form of government. Not like Republican versus Democrat in the States, no, but no, like no. A, republic. a republic, right? And versus a, a monarchy. Right, exactly. Yeah. Um, so she decided to abandon her husband and two children to become a revolutionary. Oh. I obviously, oh, wow. like, twitch a little. When they say abandon? Yeah, because they're babies. Yeah. And they don't know any better. I wonder, but... though, her husband was like, he comes home and he's like, hello, hello. <laughs> and the babies are like, <laughs> Right? Well, my this is how I'm going to, I this is real, so, yeah. you know, I don't know what happened, but my guess is that, uh, there was her mother-in-law. She was in a house with a oh, lot yeah, of people. Exactly. My guess is that she didn't have a lot of say in what the children were doing. Anyways. Oh, that makes sense. I'm just throwing things out but there. But also, can you imagine, because we just, like we were saying with Sandra earlier, uh, who actually was living in a more modern world, so had yeah. access to birth control. Definitely. But women, but, no birth control back then. Right, exactly. So, like, so if she's an arranged marriage, she doesn't. Love him. She probably possibly hates him. Yep. And here she is making two children with him. Yep. Um, She's like, I'm out. Peace out, players. I can't do this anymore. Right. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it, it fucking sucks. And it's probably yeah. a hugely hard thing. And that's the thing. We, we tend to judge women more harshly, especially back then. I think we definitely have to yeah. look at it in a different lens because, yes, like definitely. we said, like usually when men abandon their family, men want children, they want a wife because that makes them respectable. But a right. lot of times the woman is just part of his plan. Yeah. And she is just a, a, a very small yeah. pawn in uh, in his chess game. Yeah. We're not, with that and said, we're not saying abandon your children. Yeah, don't abandon your don't kids. Don't abandon you guys. your babies. No, 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 no. no, no. no. Especially not nowadays. No. Mm-mm. Um, you know, I have, we both have yeah. a 
no, no. I, we're always team kid on this podcast. Yes, we are. <laughs> yes. Um, but we don't know the whole situation. Yeah. And she did some really fucking cool things. But that's amazing when she's like, peace out. I'm going to be a revolutionary. I mean, right? That's like, in wow. In like a village in China wow. in, under the Qing dynasty. Yeah. Well, I guess at this point she was in Beijing. But yeah. like. That's I, pretty amazing. I don't know. She, she, she pawned her jewelry and she made her way to Tokyo. She must have had some kick-ass to jewelry. Tokyo? Oh. To Japan. So oh. apparently in Japan, at that time, a lot of writers uh, would find themselves in Japan because Japan was a lot more freer and uh, open. And yeah. Accepting. So in, in, the, in that area of the world, you could go to Japan and, Actually, and, and write that. your dissent oh. ideas, etc. Um, she started to wear pants like a man. She openly yes. advocated for women's rights. Well, I mean, wearing pants is just practical. I mean, right? I mean, come on. <laughs> she can actually walk around. She can walk well. <laughs> Speaking of walking around, she founded a newspaper to denounce foot binding and other subjugating women's practices. So, wow, that was a huge issue with her. Yeah. Um, which I think I'm 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 on team. Let's just call her Jin. Yeah. Because I think the last name is the first name in Chinese language. So I'm on Team Jin. So while we're, well, so what did I write here? I wrote, while we in America were trying to get the right to vote, she was fighting for the right to permanent scarring and debasing practices designed to demean, demoralize, and weaken women to be abolished. Wow. That's a really long sentence I wrote. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, like, that's what they were doing. They were breaking the feet of children. I know it was history and, uh, and we recognize that Culture. We're, yeah, we're coming from the Western point of view. But even other uh, Chinese scholars and Chinese yeah. historians have said the same thing. So, so we're on the side of the Chinese scholars. Yes. And Jin, who is a Chinese woman, that denounces it as, as a way to, to weaken women. Yeah. Like and to, the, like, the, physically name yeah. and cripple I mean, them. the fact of the matter is we come from a society of thousands and thousands of years of, of women being second-class citizens. Yep. But the truth is we are just as smart, just as capable. So how do you control half the population that is, in fact, just as smart and just as capable? Well, a good way of doing that is by breaking their feet and making them literally, literally. weaker, literally unable to run yeah. away. Yeah. Right? So, yeah, no, it's bullshit. Yeah. Um, I'm going to big, I'm going to give you a big quote. She said, cause she was, ve- she was a great orator mm-hmm. and she was very vocal about this. So this is what she said. We women who have had our feet bound from early childhood have suffered untold pain and misery for which our parents showed no pity under this treatment. Our faces grew pinched and thin. Our muscles and bones were cramped and distorted. The consequence is that our bodies are weak and incapable of vigorous. What did I say here? Activity. I should. I always got to see in handwriting. Yeah. See now how that affected me. (laughs) And in everything we do, we are obliged to lean on others. Sisters, let us today investigate the causes which have led to this want of spirit and energy among women. May it not be because we insist on binding up our girls' feet at an early age, speaking of their, quote, three inch golden lilies and their, quote, captivating little steps. I'm just. I'm wow. just going to say that I think that she makes a good point. Yeah, that's powerful. Yeah, 
It is. So in Japan, she initially entered a Japanese language school, but then she transferred to the girls' practical school in Kojimichi. Kojim. I'm so sorry. Is that in Japan or back it's, in it's China? It's in Japan. So that's all oh, you, girl. Oh, what is it? Kojimin. Koji. Koji. Kojimichi. Kojinichi. Oh, Kojinichi. Kojinichi. Yeah, Kojinichi. Oh. Now I feel like sushi. Um, <laughs> She mm, was, oishi. Um, I don't know what you just said. Delicious in Japanese. Oishi. 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 I'm oishi. Gonna... Disney. 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 It's good. Yeah. Oishi. Disney. Oishi. Disney. Yeah, you just say. You can just say oishi. 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 I'm gonna do that next time I go to. You're gonna <laughs> laugh at me. Um. So she joined the. Uh. What am I? Saying? Oh yeah. She was also fond of martial arts. She was known for her nationalist anti-Manchu ideology. Oh. And so she joined the anti-King Society. It was called, I can do it. You can do it. Guan Fu Hui. No, Sounds that was me. wrong. I, but I don't know. I mean, it's fine, I think. <laughs> it's not fine. It's very offensive. But you, you get my drift. Uh, it was led by Kai Yai Pei, which in 1905 joined with a variety of overseas Chinese revolutionary groups to form the, mm, mm, tar, mm, I can do this. Yes, I you can. I just have to believe in myself a little bit more. You can do it. I can do it. Tong Meng Wei. That sounded Tong good. Tong Meng Sure. Okay. Yeah. I like it. Led by Sun Yat-sen. Oh, Sun Yat-sen. Who yeah. became the founding father of the Republic of China. And he played an instrumental role in the overthrow of the Qing Dynasty. So she was responsible for the Zhejiang province, which she was born in. Oh, cool. Um, there was a disagreement at the beginning of the revolution amongst the students in Japan if they should go back to China uh, and join the revolution or stay to prepare for the future. She was vehemently opposed to going back to China. Okay. She thought, she wrote, she said, if I, quote, if I return to the motherland, surrender to the Manchu barbarians and deceive the Han people, stab me with this dagger. She was a little oh, dramatic. She's, she's very dramatic. She's yeah. a little dramatic. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, I like I that can, about her. I can maybe relate yeah. a little. Yeah, just like a little. Um, but in 1906, she did return with 2,000 other students. While she was still in Tokyo, she edited a journal entitled Vernacular Journal. They published a number of issues using vernacular Chinese as a medium of revolutionary propaganda. One issue was, uh, called A Respectful Proclamation to China's 200 Million Women Comrades. She lamented the problems due to bound feet and oppressive marriages. She had suffered from both. So I think right. her marriage was really, really right. awful. Right. I think she yeah. was not in an okay place. Uh, she explained her experience from both and received an overwhelmingly sympathetic response. She believed a better future lay in a more Western type of government. When she joined the revolution, she did it with her cousin, Zhu Jilin. No, Zhu that Zilin? sounded very Hebrew. Zhu Jilin? Um, <laughs> Yeah, that okay. sounds more Chinese. Yeah. Okay, that's good. I don't know if that's right, but it sounds, yeah. it's 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 writer. It's definitely writer. <laughs> so she was. I said before she was an excellent orator. Um, and she used her words in China to talk about rights for women, the freedom to marry, the freedom for education, and of course the abolishment of foot binding. In 1906, in China, she founded a radical women's journal. I mean, was it radical? Because it's radical because it's woman. Women, women, yeah. right? Um, published two issues before the authorities closed it down. Of course. Mm. 
1907, she became head of the Detong School in Shaoxing because she was head of it because she opened it. Right. Um, it claimed to be a sports teacher school, but it was really intended for military training of revolutionaries. Oh. Um, so there were plans for a nationwide uprising that were foiled by the premature action of a lone revolutionary cell, which prompted swift government response. Her cousin decided to quickly assassinate the much-hated governor of Anhui. Um, on July 6th, 1907, her cousin was caught by the authorities. I, I feel like he knew that he was going to get caught. Oh, he was probably he was like, like, he wanted I'm to be just, a martyr. Yeah. I'm just going to do this quickly. Yeah. You, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, they were on to them already. Um, before, uh, so he was caught. He confessed under torture and was executed. July 12th, six days later they arrested Jin at her school she was also tortured but she refused to admit her involvement because she be a badass she a badass mm-hmm. bitch you yep. know she's like I ain't giving y'all nothing punks women, you know they might be stronger <laughs> yeah I mean I don't think I'm strong I'd be like what because I'm I'd be like what if, yeah it was him it was yeah. her and what happened was uh, yeah. oh so let me tell you stop from the beginning I'll tell you everything we haven't yeah. even touched you yet. I know. I know. But she's better than me. Yeah, she's so that's better fine. than both of us. Yeah, <laughs> maybe put together. Yeah. <laughs> so they so they couldn't incriminate her from that, but they used her own writings, two poems she had oh. written, uh, and they used it against her. Two a few days later, she was publicly beheaded in Ooh. her home village at the age of thirty-one. Damn! Right? The Chinese are gangster. I mean, right? Woo! Damn. So her last written words uses the literal meaning of her name, Autumn Autumn Gem, uh, to lament the failed revolution. Mm. Uh, and she, that, I mean, the revolution she would never really see yeah. to pan out. She wrote, Autumn wind, autumn rain, they make one die of sorrow. It's very sad. Very sad. Uh, she's buried. Now she is buried honorably. She's considered one of the first martyrs of the revolution. And there's a whole museum for her. Oh, Just wow. for her. Yeah. Her life has been portrayed in plays and movies. There's a documentary in 2018. I'm sorry. There was a documentary. But in 2018, the New York <laughs> Times, I write things down with a pen. Let me explain yeah, myself. I don't. I know. Nobody else does. <laughs> I'm like my planner. Levetta, have you seen my planner? It's like. Yeah. It's, no, uh, I love it. Yeah, I love it. You, read, you write. It's with yeah. a pen. I love it. Um, so she's now considered a national heroine. And she is a symbol of women's independence in China. That's amazing. Isn't that amazing? Thank you so much. You're very welcome. Ah. She's, I mean, she, I can't believe I've never heard of her. Me either. Well, that's because we live in the, in America. Right. We only need to know about those forefathers yeah, of ours. Exactly. Those forefathers that had no women in their lives. <laughs> exactly. Right. <Nope. laughs> well, all right, guys, that wraps it up for this uh, episode of Notorious Women Podcast. That's right. Uh, thank you uh, for always listening and you can help us out a little bit more uh, by going to iTunes and rating us five stars five, five stars, stars please five stars five stars um, five and stars. also spreading thank the you. word five stars <laughs> thank you five stars yes. you can also follow us uh, on Twitter and Facebook at NotoriousWMPod you can email us at NotoriousWMPod at gmail.com also, if you want to support us, you can always check out our Patreon page. That's patreon.com slash Notorious Women. And you can find us on Instagram at Notorious Women Podcast. All right, guys, we will see you next week. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. <laughs>